Welcome to Bat Therapy, the psychology of Batman, superheroes, and other comic book characters. Be a fly on the wall or a bat in the cave, listening in on a friendship built out of a love for talking Batman, comics, and the everyday struggle to achieve mental health and happiness. We are your hosts, clinical psychologist Dr. Amelia Brown and comic enthusiast and nerd aficionado Keaton Hopkins. This podcast is about providing education and understanding and is not a replacement for mental health treatment or support. If you're needing help, go to bat-therapy.com for resources. Yeah, so Superman Red Sun uh, is a comic by Mark Millar. It actually got nominated for an Eisner Award. It's really, it's a fun comic. It's a quick read. Mm. It's only three, it's only three issues and it's, it's fun. It's fun. I like it a lot. It's fun. I I do wonder what what someone from Russia might think about. <laughs> That's okay. That I is don't know. true. I don't that know. That is true. Um, as a as a spoiled American, I'm on the outside looking in. This is like, one of <laughs> yeah. This is one of those times I was like, oh man, I wish I had I had someone from this other part of the world in my pocket that I could just like call up and be like, yo, tell me what you guys think about this. Um, right. but it, it, yeah, it is very interesting. And, and you and I also, I think, I think we've given away our age a bit because we, you know, we talk about growing up with the animated series, Batman, the animated yes. series. Uh, sure, sure. we were not alive during the cold war stuff either. And all the kind of upheaval. So there's but, that too. There, there's, but, a, there's a lot of things with this that you and I just the, don't have experience with. You say we weren't alive, but did well, the cold war ever really end? <laughs> I okay, well, I mean, therapy, so, a history podcast. Okay, but we're, we're not going, <laughs> we're not going under our desks because we're testing out nuclear explosions, and somehow our desks would protect us. But yeah. hey, you know the the live shooter scenarios probably aren't that helpful either. So yeah, it's cold. It's it's it it's a cold war though. It's just like a bunch of passive aggressiveness, you know. Just uh, yeah, <laughs> which which guy has the bigger missile? Right. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's, yeah. but, uh, yeah. So this is part of the Elseworlds theme. The, the, the big change and is that instead of Superman landing in Kansas, he lands in Russia. Well, Actually, he lands in Ukraine. The U- Ukraine. Yeah. And yeah. And, and so it, that's the big, that's the big change. And of course, with it being Elseworlds, all of these other characters that we know and love mm-hmm. also show up. Lex is in there. Lois is in there. Jimmy Olsen is a government agent. He's so much more badass in this than he normally he, is. He Although, is. I guess, you know, a news photographer, he, he probably does some cool stuff with yeah. the photography, but. Yeah, yeah, but not, yeah, he's not. He, he's yeah. into all the muck with Lex Luthor in this storyline. Definitely, definitely. But yeah, Hal Jordan shows up for any. Mm. Green Lantern fans out there. Do Green Lantern fans exist? Is that a real thing? Whatever. I think uh, they existed until, you know, the movie came out. Yeah. And then they were yeah. too embarrassed to show themselves again. Yeah, I guess. Maybe. Green Pour Lantern. out a cold one for a, the a, Green Lantern fans. What a guy. What a guy. <laughs> but yeah, the Green Lantern and all his all that core shows up. Batman. Batman's in it. He's yeah. great. Yeah, yep. he's a war criminal, but still great. We'll get he's, there. And you know what? 
I I think I think Soviet Russia Batman is just more Batman than you could ever imagine <laughs> him to be. If that I makes think sense. That's true. That's true. It's like uh Batman but with more vodka, right? It's like, oh wow, like what happens what happens <laughs> what happens here? But it's also funny because Batman never gets like whenever these Elseworld stories come up, a lot of the time Batman never gets lucky when it comes to his no, parents. It's like does. if Batman exists, it's for one reason and one reason alone. Mm-hmm. Yep. <laughs> Something. It's it's either either you're Batman because it happened, you know, your right. parents died brutally in front of you, or you're not Batman, but then you have to choose to re-traumatize yourself. Right. Right. Either one happens. <laughs> yeah. And yeah, he can't win because in this one, like, cause so the, the, there is a red sun movie yes. as well. And I actually watched the movie and read the comic in preparation for this. But I think in, in one of the scenarios for this one, Batman's parents died in like a Russian gulag and, mm. and it just like, set them set them off they weren't subtle about it in the movie though because in the movie you see an angry little kid in a cave and then bats just fly from behind them and i'm it's like in that's the comic, kinda... though too it's like, pretty that's funny the... it's so on the nose it's so on the nose <laughs> yeah i um so so just a warning because i i think a lot of comic book lovers have probably read this if you're into dc i don't know uh but if you watch the movie instead, they're actually more different than I realized. I don't think I'd watch the movie until now. They're very different. They're yeah. very they're they're very different. Um but one thing that I really one thing that I really appreciate about Superman uh Red Sun is that it's Superman doesn't in this he even though it's a very different setting and he is a a a different individual his morals are still there. Mm. Like, th- like he's still out to help as yeah. many people as possible. Yes. It's just the, um, he doesn't do it the, 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 the right way. <laughs> so I, I think in my opinion, they, they did a better job of showing him maintaining that those values and belief systems in the comic versus in the movie. Yes. The movie it felt like things got lost a little bit more, but to to be fair also comics and books they they can stretch things out more so you see more of the process and you have to jump more quickly in a film. So sometimes you kind of lose the um the minutia that's really helpful and important, but yeah, you're right. There's it, it's not that Superman is this entirely different character. He's still really cares about people. He he doesn't want violence and famine and um, upheaval and all these things. And if anything, I would actually say that this Batman seems more aware of countries and how people are doing on a larger scale uh, versus the other Superman who fights aliens and yeah. hangs out in Metropolis. Like, this version of Superman seems more aware of the world. He does. He does. And I like that. Honestly, it's, he kind of reminds me of if injustice Superman came to the same conclusions, Mm. but without any of the trauma and without Mm. 
honestly without the need for violence because this Superman, his big thing is this is what's best for the world, but I'm not going to force you. But at the same time, I, I kinda, I kinda am. And so the, the, I feel like this whole, the, the comic is really like, has a huge theme of the importance of free will. Hmm. Right. Even though if even, you know, even though something might not be what's best, it the most important thing is being able to have the choice and not be made to. So this is where I can't help but put my psychologist hat on. But to be fair, maybe this is like a part of me that's more of a sociologist. I don't know. Like this kind of stems out of psychology a bit, too. Um so in psychology, in general, uh, here in, in the United States, uh, we've kind of been too focused on certain cultural facets and really limited and restricted ourselves in how we can understand people. And really, we focused mostly on white dudes, and then all, then we added white women, and, and then, then and all straight, by the way. And right. then slowly we've kind of expanded from there, and we realized, oops, we can't just be focused on this one group and truly understand people. Um, so even expanding, though, because I've been trained in the United Seems States. Like such an easy concept to get, except so many people don't. <laughs> I know, right? I, I don't even get me started. Um, but let's even, like, I was trained in the United States, and Think about historical context. And I mean, we've talked before about how we are not a war-torn country. Now, I'm not saying there's not violence. Um, Unfortunately, it happens all the time. Uh, For the millionth time, we uh, the the one happening now is someone just rang a doorbell, the wrong doorbell, and was shot um, is one of the things reverberating here. So I'm not saying there's not violence (sighs) in the United States. And yep. I'm not saying if you're listening from the United States that you don't experience these things, but um, a lot of us don't know what the war torn looks like. Right, and, they're not tanks in the streets or right, like you know, right. I see what you, I know. What you and mean. and even here in the United States, because one of the one of the the things that they talk about here, and I think you're hitting the nail on the head in terms of what they are saying, which is free will is important, and they're even saying. Free will is more important than absolute safety. Right. And so that I think most people would agree with. However, I do wonder based on your experiences and where you live and how much violence um, and inequalities and things like that might come into play, you probably shift where your balance is in terms of how much free will you think people should have versus how much safety should come into play. Because right. I think we can all agree, I don't trust everyone and their free will to make the best choices. We see all the time people make terrible ones. It's a very, it's a very good point. It's a very, that's a very good point. Uh, and it's, it honestly become, it, I, I think sometimes it can definitely come from a place of privilege i should be able to do whatever i whatever i want to do no matter how other people feel about it no matter how safe or unsafe it might be like it's just you you can't take my rights away no matter how it affects others right and so it's that's the thing is that no matter what you do you are going to affect other people period you cannot get away with that even if 
you put yourself away in the thickest of forests. No, you don't communicate with anybody. Now, I would be very impressed for you to survive that way, but let's say you manage it. You're still affecting people. What about the people who knew you who might want to connect with you? Or um, it's very hard these days to find a forest where uh, you're not close enough to other people where you're hunting your resources. You're taking those resources. You're affecting the person down downstream from you, for example. Like, right. you, you can't have life where we don't affect each other. And I do think this hits on that very well very well in terms of Superman saying, let's stop harming each other. But yeah, yeah, where's the line? Yeah. And the thing, what's what's so interesting about it is super, for the most part in this comic, like Superman is doing the right thing. But what the the first time I really feel like it gets screwed up is basically how anyone that goes against him, he mm. turns into like, a robot now that's not that's not okay and it's so creepy because they have like gears on the side of their head and stuff and they're like always smiling and and it comes out of nowhere too where all of a sudden they're they like sneakily slip in and i think batman's the one that introduces it to you if i remember at least in the comic if i remember correctly but you like start noticing these little things on the sides of people's heads. And and that's the that's the thing, right? All these Superman tropes in else worlds where things go awry, it always hits on these slippery slopes. And and we find out with these that that Brainiac kind of Okay, that's helped lean him in certain directions. But, that's the, he's the slippery slope. Every yeah. how many Superman stories? The things go bad and at the end it's like wow we really shouldn't have trusted brainiac <laughs> we we thought that computer program was fixed even though none of us are it people none of us invented nor nanovirus we were just like oh it says fixed and we trusted it oh mm-hmm. wow he's still brainiac how could this happen? It happens so many times throughout throughout <laughs> comics. It happens so many times. You know, this actually uh, hits on an interesting conversation that I was having uh, with Bill about AI, um, where because you know he's the IT side and I'm the people side, and so we were. I think it was a John Oliver episode recently was talking about it, and. We think that something technological is therefore perfect, but it's only as good as the information getting fed in. And 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 we have yet to find anything that can be truly unbiased, because even if you take a computer calculation, it's written by people who have certain biases, the data being put in, can it ever truly be perfect? And so uh, we we're actually talking about maybe in the future, psychologists and other kinds of researchers might be there to try and help help us use AI as best as we can, keeping in mind it's not perfect. And it seems like Brainiac might end up in the same thing where it's like, oh, he's super smart. The technology stuff is there. Therefore, he, uh, there's like this innate trust that it seems like seems to play over and over again, even though right. it's a terrible idea. Well, it's because I think people don't look at him as artificial intelligence as much as they look at him like, Look, it's a Wikipedia bot. And like, you know, and mm-hmm. I yeah. and they really shouldn't. And the same thing with uh 
with Ultron? Like, at what point does is mm. AI like, huh? Because even Ultron's I- ideals, like, it's funny. Like, and I'm specifically going off like Age of Ultron here. It was so funny because he technically wasn't wrong. It's like, oh, mm. my job is to protect the Earth. What's the best way to do that? Get rid of all humanity. I'm like, he's not wrong. <laughs> <laughs> We are terrible. I'm like, technically, <laughs> technically he has a point. Uh, but, you know, that's <laughs> it's how you orchestrate it that really, it's like, hmm. Well, and, and even, you know, it's very interesting because so you have Brainiac, I think, what were they saying? He's a level 12 intelligence and then Luther was a level nine, nine. I think. Yeah. Uh, and, I mean, it was interesting because you also see Luther really... They they hone in on his intelligence in this story in in a way that not all other stories do, where you really get yeah. to see him running amok and yeah. doing all of these hyper intelligent things. And the the movie steals this ending from him, which yeah. I don't know if I agree with. But the ending in the comic, just like everything else, there's kind of this thing of like, what could Luther truly do if he wasn't so obsessed with Superman? But at the same time, is that spawning some of his just intellectual creativity and fire? Right. But in the comic, he actually ends up doing all of these things for humanity, uh, which is kind of funny because, you know, he's not the best person in the world. Well, he's still doing it for himself, though. Like, yep. that's the thing that's interesting. It's like, yeah, I cured cancer, but it's because I woke up and said, mm-hmm. huh. I bet I could do it. Not because yep. it'll save this many lives. Like he's such a such a douche in in this in well, this comic. He is. Like at one point he my favorite cause in in this he's he's married to he's married to Lois. Yep. And at one point he just calls Lois up and is like, Hey, um, I need to figure out how to cure how to kill Superman. So for like the next year at least, our marriage is just like canceled. Okay, like we're just <laughs> so not bad. doing that. I'm gonna be busy trying to kill Superman, but you're great. And it's like, wait, what? <laughs> like, what did he so just ridiculous. do? It's and so he's ridiculous. so he's so full of himself. Like what he calls the when he calls the president, it's like I need twenty million dollars and permission to drop a satellite <laughs> on America. It's like president's what? like okay. Yeah, sure, man. Whatever you need, Lex. You're the smartest. You're the best. He's like, yeah, I just invented this tape recorder this morning. Okay. I'm listening to it. And I'm like, I get it. I You're get, smart. Like, okay. Yeah, it's really fun. It's and, like, yeah, I get it. I and get us- it. Usually they show how that turns him into a villain. And it's interesting that this story doesn't fully no. do that. He's in a more complicated just, character in this. Yeah. In this one, he's just super smart. He's super he's just smart. He's super smart. And, and... He, I, I, I think because he's actually able to make strides here that he's not able to make when they're working in the same country and on mm-hmm. the same side, probably because they're working uh, with the same resources, which, I mean, I know Superman doesn't like use quote unquote resources much, but they're, they're the, kind of the us versus them. So, so Lex always in all these storylines, or at least all the ones I, I know, um, well, I take that back. Most of them, most storylines, it's. They're enemies, and he sees Superman as separate and right. humanity versus alien. But when Superman is in the United States with him, a lot of the people around Lex Luthor don't agree with him. They mm-hmm. see Superman as one of 
us and he's helping us. And yes, he's an alien, but he's one of us here with what we're doing. And so I think the the kind of like psychological separation that happens with them being in different countries, especially given the context of those two countries and where it is in history, all of a sudden Lex has more at his disposal and he isn't having to do things in secret in the same way. And he, it really seems to propel him forward. And another thing that's interesting about Lex too, because like you said, there's all this good that he ends up doing once Superman's out of the picture at the end of this comic. But you know how there's some people out there that they're fine with you as long as they feel like they're above you. Oh God. Or yeah, mm-hmm. they're fine with you as long as they feel like you're uh you're ahead of them. It's like when 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 people are driving on the freeway and there's always that one person that's like, I will drive ninety miles per hour to keep you from passing me <laughs> or to keep from having to let you in. Right? There's people that like live their lives like that. Like I'm completely cool with you as long as you're not ahead of me or as long as you're yeah. above me. And I feel like that's where Lex fits mm-hmm. in to this because he's like, Yes, I'm the smartest guy in the world. It's like, Yeah, but can you lift the bridge? And it's mm-hmm. like yeah. I can't. And that's that's how and he I up, hate the guy who can. <laughs> he ends up experimenting on himself or, you know, right. building all these things. Yeah, and in and in this I mean, that that's still there, but the obsession feels different. And once again, I think part of it might have to do with the fact that he has people backing him where when they're in the same country and there's not all this other stuff that naturally creates this fear around Superman that he can take advantage of, then he's just kind of with the other villains um, who have their own issues and problems and whatnot. Uh, but yeah, you know, I... I, I find I find Lex very interesting with this. And you're totally right where he's he's used to being ahead of everybody. And he very obnoxiously is is always sharing how smart he is, too. Or at least I find very obnoxious yeah. um, because people can see that you're playing three Actually, I think it was more than three chess games at one while time. you're reading a book, while you're talking to someone, which is kind right. of rude. But I get it. You can do all those <laughs> things at once. And you're creating a blah, blah, blah and doing this, that, and the other. Like, we can observe that. We don't need you narrating. And I I understand that that part of the narration is because it's in the book. <laughs> so they want right. you to know he's doing all those things. But I think they they did it that way on purpose so that he definitely has this, like, narcissistic leaning where yes. – um, Okay, like that sense of uh, I'm better than everyone else, um, becoming kind of uh, reactive when it seems like someone's might be better. Um, real, like you said, that person who is fine with you as long as they feel like they're on top. Right. Um, that doesn't equal narcissistic personality disorder, but uh, it definitely suggests that that's a possibility. Right. And you're right. He when, when Superman's gone and Brainiac's gone too, by the way, he managed to get rid of both of them at once. Um, he surprisingly kind of tones down. He's like, yeah. no one else can even compete. So oh, I'll just do all this stuff, I guess, for fun. I don't know. But yeah. Yeah. And well, and it's 
it kind of brings it, it it brings into question how much like you can hyper focus on one thing and lose track of everything around you because mm. he always had the ability to do all of these things but he was focused for decades on how yeah. do I kill Superman? How do I kill Superman? And on the other side of that, Superman is out here changing the whole world and people are fed and no one's dying and, and there's no war, but he's hyper-focused on this one time where Brainiac shrunk a city and he can't get those people back. And it's yeah. like a recurring thing yep. through but isn't- throughout. Isn't it interesting, though, because, like you said, they're doing kind of similar things, but Superman's doing it because he wants to help people. And and like you were saying, I agree with you. I, I think that still rings true with his character in the storyline. Lex is doing it all to conquer and to be the best and right. and like you said all all avenues point to superman and then after that point it all probably points to him just wanting to continue to be the most famous person ever and yet in the end lex is more successful or at least the the book and the movie suggest that lex's way was more successful right and but what's interesting though is even lex's overall plan pretty much this is something that could have been solved in a conversation like of course there's this all this climactic like battle and and of course it's not even a battle because everyone forgets that this is superman we're talking about and in this comic (laughs) this is a a, this is also a world without kryptonite like we don't see kryptonite a single time i kept forgetting that and kept waiting for it to happen yeah it, it yeah we we this is a world without kryptonite and so it's like hey the, let's send the let's send these Green Lantern guys all after him, and I'm like, <laughs> yeah, because that always works when Green Lantern tries to go against Superman. But I digress. Uh, but yeah, it's like, and then it's like, oh, let's send send all the uh, the uh, the Amazons after him, and it's like, okay, let's see how that goes. Oh yeah, he's still Superman. Like, what is it that you're trying to do? And at the, and at the end, it's just Lex just wrote him a letter, and he read it, and he was just like, oh damn. Yeah, so, I, can't, I gotta, I gotta change. So, in in defense of the timing of that, because Lex said that he, the the timing is different based on the movie or the TV show or movie or TV show, movie or the comic. Mm-hmm. I am more a fan of the comic because I, I, I think the extreme just makes it even more of a, oh well, my god, kind of thing. But it, it's like yeah. forty years in the making, and yeah. I think it's like twenty years in the making in the movie where. Yeah. All of this leading up to, so for anyone who might not remember, uh, Brainiac shrinks Stalingrad and has it in in a little glass dome, and Superman spends all these years trying to figure out how to unshrink the city, and so they're under this mi- microscope, and and this was also Brainiac could do his thing and have the specimen and all protected in the glass dome, and so. In the letter to Superman, or as Lois shares the message with him in the movie, it's essentially the essentially pointing out to Superman that he is Brainiac, but for the entire world. He's trying to put the entire world under this glass dome. So in Lex's defense, because you could say, why didn't he just tell him right when he figured it out and didn't have all these years of all this ridiculousness? Yeah, so, this could have been an email. <laughs> 
yeah, this could have been an email. That's the perfect meme for that. Yeah. <laughs> um, so it could have been an email. So here's my thing, though, is it, it could be Lex being Lex, and maybe he wanted to see if he could match the brawn because that's an area that's more of a question mark. He knows his intellect is better, but are there, there are these other areas that he could best? Maybe that's it. But another thing it could be is I think about what I do in therapy. And there's such a thing as timing. And when is someone ready to hear a message so that it impacts them in the most useful way? And so sometimes in therapy, we don't keep, or at least most of us, don't don't keep information from you. We're not going to be like, oh, I know what's going to help you and I'm not going to tell you. We don't we don't do that. But sometimes the, the, the insights that we need to grow, they can be really difficult to hear or it can require stepping outside of ourselves in a way that might take some time to get to. And so how do you make sure that when you give a person a message or you help someone kind of guide them to an understanding about themselves, it's going to be useful that can take time. So potentially that's what was going on with Lex. But I, I assume he also wanted to test his brawn. I'm, I would assume that's probably part of it too. Yeah. I mean, yeah, because he spent so much time, he spent so much time developing all these different ways. And like even in um in the comics, Lex is more or less responsible for all of Superman's rogue gal- rogues gallery because mm. he's basically all of these so different bad. characters that he invented or made mm-hmm. in a lab to try and defeat him, like Bizarro. I think Atomic Skull was in there. I think I saw uh, Killer Frost was there. Yep. Um, Parasite, like a bunch of villains famous for going up against uh, against Supes, and they all still failed. And it's just Lex <laughs> just tinkering away. Just what can I do this time? And it's yep. It's funny because it's they're they're clear it, it's that they still have that classic like arch arch enemy mm-hmm. type thing going, but at the same time, what's what's also different here is Superman doesn't have a lot of the friend connection that we normally see him have mm. with like. The rest of the Justice League. The rest of the Justice League aren't really in this. And my first thought about it was because, of course, like you said, we did not grow up in this world. But like when you hear about like McCarthyism and Mm. just the insane fear of communism, being turned in, black communism, and and, mm -hmm. and Russia, like the insane amount of fear that was in america it was just off the charts and so it it was one of those things i can't imagine like not only being in fear of a a nuclear weapon but also oh look here is this guy that could blow us all up if he wanted to Mm -hmm. at what point does the fear just change to oh but he didn't so i guess everything's fine Right. <laughs> well, and he even, per Lex's plans, he even saves people in Metropolis and yeah. he shows goodwill. And 
I, yeah, I don't know. Like, and, and on the flip side, isn't it interesting how accepted he is in the USSR, given the they had this focus on the okay, let let's have more of a communist structure where everything is equal, no one is above, and then you have a literal super person who, I mean, granted, isn't human, so maybe that's the exception, but has all these powers, stands out. And he even actually, I love it in the comic where he has this conflict within himself because people are pushing for him once Stalin dies to take over. Yes. But he's like, but this goes against all of our values where there shouldn't be someone who can jump ahead of the rest of the pack. We're supposed to be on on uh, an even level together. That's what we're fighting for. He eventually decides that there are things I can do and I'm tired of seeing this inequality and our people are struggling so I can help right? because of those superpowers. But yeah, I, I, I hear what you're saying where on the one hand, okay, how long does it take for other people to see, hey, he's not coming after us. He's even waiting for us to join. And then on the flip side, there's a little bit of mental gymnastics you have to do to accept him given the values that he's selling when he is so different from everyone else. And on top of that, we, we can't forget as well, like, oh yeah, don't disagree with them too loud or they'll turn you into a robot. Yeah. Right? I don't know how much of that would have happened if Brainiac wasn't in his ear. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I mean, That's dissenters true. didn't fare too kindly in that part of the world, not specific to the USSR, but didn't fair to well actually didn't fair mccarthyism was here too right so dissenters oh, yeah. in general were not treated too kindly around the world this yeah that's this true point. that's true he so has may, maybe others would have gotten him there otherwise but i don't know yeah superman has a lot better relationship with uh stalin in the comic than he does in the mm. yeah. in in the the movie i think and, that's the biggest difference yeah it is. It is. And it's one of the things that I did like about the movie more because I was like, mm -hmm. this, reading it in the comic, it was just like, this feels wrong. This feels, it's just, I See, don't that's like, what I, liked, though. I don't like this. Yeah. That's what uh, I liked though, because it, it, I think it fed into, he was still farm boy Superman and yeah. the Clark Kentism of him where he believes in the best in people and kind of naive though. Yeah, kind of naive. Yeah, I see what you're saying. And He's honestly, small, I also like Batman more in the comic so than good. in the movie too because in the in the in the movie, Batman is just running around ki killing countless people, like yeah. just blowing up women and children and museums and all that. And in the comics, he's like, "Listen, I'm going to blow this building up. Y'all better get out. Yeah. Uh, I'm doing it because Superman's wrong. He is a maniacal leader and I'm waging my own personal war on him. In the movie, at one point he's like, everyone get out. In 10 minutes, I'm going to blow up the building. And then he just blows it up, and it, and it, they cut I back to him, and he goes, seconds. I meant 10 seconds. I'm like, oh, <laughs> okay. Uh, oh, oh, wow. You yeah. Should, yeah. Right? Like, he's like, oh, this isn't okay. <laughs> yeah. And this isn't okay at all. 
I don't know how I feel about that artistic license that they took. Yeah, it does. It does shift things for him. I mean, his character is not super involved in either storyline, so you can kind of breeze over it a little bit. If if they did, kind of force him in there, didn't they? They kind of like shoehorned him in. They just felt like they had to, because even in the comic, I I felt like it was a little strange because they show Batman developing based on uh, Pieter killing his parents yeah due to what stalin tells him to do right and that actually was a more Pyotr in some ways and i know i'm butchering that name i'm so sorry for everybody in that part of the world i'm trying um but he in some ways i feel like is almost more batman than batman in in, in the storyline because he's pointing out the discrepancies and how you are very Smallville. You don't truly know what's going on here. The rest of us are having to deal with the realities of things while you're Stalin's favorite. Yeah. yeah. And so I thought it was weird because Batman's origin story was not centered around Superman, but it became that way. And and I felt that was a little clunky, to be honest. I didn't really see how how his attention turned to Superman. It was. It was a bit clunky. And... It- you you bring up something interesting. So, I I I said Peter. I just was called. Him I mean that that's the English version, Peter. Yeah, I just yeah <laughs> I went yeah I uh yeah I, I was lazy about it. I'm sorry, but he was an interesting character too because in the comics he is the illegitimate son mm. of Joseph uh, Stalin, and he assuming uh assumingly like he's. He's going to be the one to take over once his father dies and he gets really, really upset because Superman comes in and Mm -hmm. he's just God's gift to Earth. And like every I feel like everyone's had that feeling before. Right. Like it's it's I feel like his the way he felt about it was warranted at the same time. Like he, he also in the comic, he killed his dad but like which once again but he killed joseph stalin like it's right like it's it's like yeah it was his dad but also it was but once again (laughs) smallville still in there right i mean i don't think he ever put that together did he i don't think superman ever put that together he no batman Bat, I think Batman is the one that like gives it away at the end. Yeah. He's like, oh, it was Peter's plan all along. Like he just mm-hmm. he's the one that gives it uh gives it away. But even his fear of Superman, it matches the fear that everyone in America has of Superman. Mm-hmm. So they're just like, oh, maybe we can uh maybe we can work together together we still don't like each other but enemy of my enemy right like it's it's i do wonder about why why does it seem like we as people have to have enemies i mean because because think about the whole thing is willpower uh free will versus safety and and all these wonderful things happen under superman who okay there's a whole brainiac issue and stalin and there there are imperfections i i get it but there are all these wonderful things that they kind of list off that are happening through him and then later through Lex Luthor. And it is one of those things where it's, it. man, wouldn't it be nice if 
free will and safety could actually coexist. <laughs> but it seems all these stories play out how it's not possible. Right. It's And it, I'm not going to lie. It brings up an interesting point because, like, so many times you'll hear people uh in like facebook comments and stuff or wherever talking about like keep politics out of comic books and keep politics out of my nerd movies and stuff and yeah it's but like anytime they there's something always... people don't like if there's anything people don't like they call it political so right. they can shut you down but at the yeah. same time comic books and movies and w- whatever method it's always been a di- a direct reflection of society and and you know like even that argument now like free will versus safety that's something that is argued about in all caps on social media everywhere Mm -hmm. (laughs) right it's something it and it's it's an argument that that they brought up here because i think i think superman red sun came out in 2003 i think that sounds about right yeah, I think it came out 2003. I do believe it was post uh it was post 9/11. And so when it came uh, out, think about that. Yeah, when it came out, a lot of people had like very it mm-hmm. everybody had a different mindset after that happened, right? Everybody yeah. kind of had this mind there there was there was Here fear. in the US, we definitely there yeah, was it so much fear. It was a lot of fear. And so like you think about that and you think about when the comic came out and it's like, okay, I can definitely see why there would be people that were like, yep, Team Superman all the way. And on the other side Mm -hmm. of that, it's like, "Mm, that's not okay what he's doing. Like, he's doing good, but this isn't the right way to do good. You're still doing good at the expense of other people and forcing them to live in a way that might not be comfortable. And so it's very, and, yeah. And can't we argue though, that the world without Superman doing that, people are still forced to live lives in a way that are not beneficial to them. That's true. It's very interesting to me how a leader will make decisions for people. And it still seems like it's all about how charismatic they are how mm. they're viewed and it, it the way i think about it i think about it like if someone passed the law and they had this smile on their face and they joked and everyone loved them but it's an absolutely horrible law mm-hmm. a lot of people would be okay with it just because it's coming from the uh, the the nice face and yeah. not from the guy that's like just so obviously villainous so they actually they've done studies where so one example is people that we deem more attractive we deem more trustworthy oh that's terrifying i'm thinking about james bond villains right now i'm like oh no (laughs) right they get away with everything (laughs) they're so So, good looking though i actually when i i I taught during graduate school, I taught some intro to psychology classes and I was in the Pacific Northwest where serial killers seem to love to be. Um, and I, because of the generation, I was able to kind of do this where I, I tried to pick different pictures of people based on their attractiveness level. And I asked, 
ask people, which person do you think is most trustworthy? Which one do you think is least? We had kind of one of those systems you could kind of vote on stuff. And I had Ted Bundy up there. And I specifically made sure he was the most attractive person pictured. Mm-hmm. And, and you know, for people who didn't recognize his face, like you saw that same kind of thing play out just in in a quick kind of vote kind of thing. But yeah, you, yeah, you, you have all these things that affect what we believe about a person. Your your quote, not supposed to judge a book by its cover. We do it all of the, all time. the time. And with Superman, some people perceived him in certain ways based on what his cover was. And then some people perceived it in completely different ways. Just how you feel about aliens, for example, or how you feel about the USSR or... Um, like you said, there, there, it's amazing what people can do based purely on how they come off and how people feel about them. Right. Um, it's the same with like, they, they try and, they try and predict how people will make decisions and they kept failing at it until they added in the human factor where yeah, it's not all about logic. It's yeah. just not all about logic. And, and I think both Superman and Lex Luthor would probably both be more comfortable with people going with logic. They just they they lean different directions in terms of what they wanted, but they wanted people to logically think it through and it wasn't going to happen. And you bring up something interesting too, the human the human factor. People in Russia a lot of them absolutely loved Superman because yeah. in this because no matter what he's doing in the rest of the world, no matter what he's doing to some of the people there, they were starving to death before he got there. Yeah. They didn't have anywhere to live before he got there. And now they have food on their table. They have a home and it's Mm -hmm. all thanks to Superman. And it would take a lot for someone to suddenly be like, nah, we hate that guy. He's the villain. It's like, no, Mm -hmm. I was literally starving here yeah. before he came along because like you said, the human factor, you can only see what you can only see your experience, mm-hmm. right? You can only see your experience. I remember uh, I, I used to work at uh, a late night pharmacy back in the day. I just worked the cash register and people would come in there all the time and steal things, right? Mm. And I didn't stop them. It's 3 o'clock in the morning. I'm not going to chase them for headphones, right? Like, whatever, take mm. them. But I'm thinking to myself, okay, if they gifted those headphones to someone else, that person's just like, sweet, headphones. Mm. They have no idea how this person got them. Yeah. Or the the mindset they were in, or they have no idea how they got them. They're just like, oh wow, my uncle Frank just gave me headphones for my birthday, right? Mm-hmm. These these people, and this happens to us all the time too. These people, it's like Superman saved my life. I don't know what he did for you, but mm-hmm. I wouldn't be here if not for Superman, right? And you know that might be. That might be something, too, that that impacts because earlier we were talking about how Superman has a more global mindset here and and more of an awareness on a larger scale 
um, compared to him in the United States. And so obviously there there are people who have food insecurity here in the United States. That's not a question, unfortunately. But you're talking about a larger group of people with starvation and there were work essentially concentration camps and other things and these things that Superman drastically changed. And when it comes to Superman, if he grew up in the United States, he was saving people from terrible things. But theoretically, those terrible things were like seen as out of the ordinary. Oh, this person like came and tried to attack the city and Superman stopped them versus here's my day to day life where I'm struggling to survive. And he right. has drastically changed what life looks like. Right. Uh, so he's more of kind of a life or death immediate response Superman <laughs> in the United right. States. And that probably that probably hits on how much he can expand and what what impact he can have. Because right. yeah, you're right. The loyalty that you would build through that, I can overlook a lot of things if you're helping me with my basics. Right. And what are what are the very things I need for survival versus uh, yeah, a, a one-time scenario, which granted could still be really terrible in life or death, but it's it's not. Hey, he changed my very life as I knew it. And yeah, and it's all about it's all about you know per- perception too, because like you said, in in this Superman's looking at the whole world. He's like, this is what we need to do. I'm gonna do it, whether people like it or not. And on the other side of that, Lex Luthor even though they definitely imply the vote was rigged, mm. he was elected. He was yeah. an elected official that once he got into power, then he was like, I'm going to weave and operate and do all these great things for humanity and people are going to love him for it. But it was because the perception was he is a product of the people. Right, and he so was chosen, Lex, yeah, by Lex, all of us. Lex, once again, Lex's obsession with Superman. He has other people. He has a country on his side this time around, so that his obsession doesn't come into conflict with taking advantage of the human factor. I mean, he even does a very. I mean, he owns LexCorp for for goodness sake. Like, I mean, yeah. obviously, he does a pretty damn good job with it in other other storylines too but in this one he is particularly prolific in what he does and essentially he becomes the leader of the world that doesn't happen in most other storylines and and really part of that probably is because that that obsessive component it aligned with the people of the united states a lot better in this storyline and he was able to incorporate that human factor, how people perceive you more into his plans against Superman. So he could just like build and build and build off of each plan and be even more successful. One thing that does annoy me with this, the the way this ends, and they do it a lot. The, the happily ever after ending always annoys me because basically they were like, let's came into power and he solved all the world's problems. And I'm, I'm sitting there and I'm like, no, he didn't because people are the problem. Like, well, they, they suggest though, 
he he fixed everything. But then, and I don't know how I feel about this storyline ending. So he, he fixes everything. But at least in the comic, it jumps eventually, the shark at the end. It jumps the shark at the end. Yeah. And it's like, okay, so so he not only is he successful, but all of everyone after him, all his descendants, they're oh, yes, super family successful. Family tree is just glowing. Just glowing. But eventually, it gets to Jor-El. <laughs> And the world is so just satisfied with itself and they can't possibly see anything going wrong that they don't believe Jor-El and he has to send his son back in time rather than to a different planet. Because by then the sun has become a red giant. And, and no one believes him. So, I mean, it, it does suggest that humans get in their own way eventually in the end, I guess. Right. Uh, like, but yeah, yeah, that jumping shark. Yeah. Was, oh, God. Um, that was funny. I, I was like, wow, that... Okay. okay. Unnecessary. What a what a fun what a funny way to end to 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 end this. It was I I, I guess it's clever. Hard at that. It was. It was it was it was clever for the eighth graders reading it. <laughs> their I, I, their I, mind I, I, their yeah, minds were yeah. bl- their minds yeah. were blown. And the thing and but I mean that's what com- I mean comic books are like. I mean they're they're for us too. Yeah, they're for they're for everybody. And so, like when I read it, I was just like, "Oh, meh. <laughs> like, I didn't oh, really." Okay. Yeah, yeah, I didn't. Yeah. I didn't like. There, there wasn't one of those things like light bulb. Like, of course, <laughs> like it, th- that didn't happen. I just kind of chuckled. I was like, huh. "Yeah, yeah." But, I mean, to the movie's benefit, they took that part out. Yeah. Which I was okay with. But the movie the movie changed up a lot of things. Because in the movie, Superman finds out that Joseph Stalin has the gulags that he's just yeah. locking people up in. And he kills Joseph Stalin because he has such... He has a much stronger relationship with Lana Lang or... Yeah. Can't Lana, her. I forget her last Svet's name. Lana or something. I can't remember. It was... Yeah, it was different. But yeah, he has a much a much stronger relationship with her. And when she yeah. dies, it really kind of shifts him into this never again mode but yeah it's a it's a very fun it's a very fun comic i had a great time with that one do we have a mindful nerd moment for our russian superman yeah so i have my comic book here with me for those watching on youtube here's my comic book um so i was reading i was like god i don't know what i want to do for this one and then then that came along to this one part that was like, ooh, this could be good. So you, you mentioned, and we didn't talk too much about it, but you mentioned the Green Lanterns and how they tried to take out Superman and how, of course, that always goes swimmingly for Green Lanterns. But they did, they did something. He didn't shaking his head. They did something. So <laughs> the, the cool thing about Green Lanterns, though, is I'm probably saying something obvious for almost everyone, but... They power their rings through willpower, and we're talking about a lot of concentration and focus and stubbornness, et cetera, et cetera, you know, really honing your mental prowess to be able to imagine the things that come out of the ring. And so essentially, uh, Hal Jordan leads a bunch of Green Lanterns, and what actually Lex Luthor tells them to do, he gives them a design. 
So it's a box within a box within an infinite number of boxes. Each layer should be one micron thin. So the entire structure is impossible to breach. And so this is what they're supposed to do around Superman. And of course, inevitably, one of them actually says, I can't hold it, sir. My mind's starting to wander. And I'm thinking about a TV show I watched as a kid. So I thought this was... Uh, I get this guy. I'm thinking about Tiny Toon Adventures, too. I thought of you exactly. <laughs> Also thinking about Animaniacs. <laughs> I so get I, it, man. I, <laughs> I know. I thought it was such a great kind of parallel to trying to do mindfulness <laughs> that we could we could do this, being the Green Lanterns and just practicing trying to be focused. And inevitably, you get distracted, just like with mindfulness. And so bringing ourselves back around. <laughs> so that's the plan. Um, so you've got... You probably can't see it very well in the video for those I watching see, that right. way, but yeah. So essentially, you got a bunch of green lanterns, and you've you've got Superman in what looks like a green safe. So as we always do, closing your eyes or just not focusing on anything in particular, sitting straight but comfortably, and first just focusing in on your breath, helping you to hone in on this mindful nerd moment. You can pretend that you're Hal Jordan or you can pretend you're, uh, you know, someone else who is a Green Lantern and specifically you've been trained to corral Superman. And just as I was describing, here is Superman and we've managed to catch him in the president's design. So first what I want you to do is I want you to focus on the box within a box, within a box, within a box, and as best you can, just an infinite number of boxes, picturing one box inside another, inside another. Superman is disappearing slowly within a box, within a box, and within another box. Picture these boxes as being micron thin. This is impenetrable. So picturing an impenetrable box within another impenetrable box within another. And continuing as best you can to focus on one box, encompassing another and another. But eventually, your mind is going to wander. And you're starting to think about that TV show you watched as a kid. So you, you think to yourself, I'm having a thought about a TV show I watched as a kid. And then you shift your mind back to a box within a box within a box. You feel your mind wander again. And you notice very intense fear and panic happening because you know what can happen. You think to yourself, what can happen if you aren't focused? And you start feeling fear and you're getting more distracted. So you think to yourself, I'm having the thought that I'm losing focus. And I'm having the thought that if I lose focus, Superman will escape. I'm having a feeling of panic. I'm having a feeling of fear. And with that acknowledgement, you allow those thoughts and feelings to pass by. And you focus back on a box, within a box, within another box, within another. 
So we're going to shift away from the mindful nerd moment. When you're ready, allow yourself to shift away from focusing on those boxes within boxes. Don't worry, Superman's not coming after you anymore. Congratulate yourself. Pat yourself on the back. It's hard to focus and to bring your focus back when we lose our concentration. So give yourself a Green Lantern pat on the back first. And when you're ready, we'll come back to the podcast to wrap things up. So what'd you think, Keaton? <laughs> I, uh, that, that was good. It was, it was funny because I was still getting distracted because I was yep. just, honestly, it, I think what ended up happening was I would shift between think of a TV show I used to watch, think of a box, <laughs> think of a show I used to watch, think of a box. And so like okay. I was thinking about Voltron. Do you remember this show called SWAT Cats? It was like yes. these two anthropomorphic cats and they had a supersonic jet in their junkyard. And I was like, what happened to that show? Oh, yeah, I'm supposed to be thinking about the box right now. Like, <laughs> but you did it. I did. You did it though. I did. That's that's the thing. Is okay. You thought about the TV show, and I even pulled specifically for distractions in this too. Um, layer on top of that, any distractions you might naturally be having in in listening to this and trying to do it. But but that's the thing is that a lot of times what happens, um, and could even happen for the Green Lantern Corps here is, what can happen is that. I'm supposed to concentrate. I lose concentration. And then we get so wrapped up in I'm not doing what I'm supposed to be doing that it actually breaks our concentration even more. And then that gets us all wrapped up in, oh, I'm distracted. Look, it's happening again. Oh, now you're beating yourself up because I can't do it. And you're feeling bad. And it, it can spiral versus what you're talking about. I thought of the TV show. Then I thought of the box. Then I thought of another TV show. Then I thought of the box. Right. So you kept bringing yourself back. And that, that actually is more of the exercise of mindfulness. It, it's not just about focusing in on the mindfulness. It's about bringing yourself back over and over again. I like that. I like that. I also like thinking about shows that I used to watch as a kid. <laughs> That's fair. <laughs> Thanks for nerding out with us. I'm clinical psychologist, Dr. Amelia Brown. Find me on social media at Crafting the Mind. And I'm comic enthusiast and professional nerd Keaton Hopkins. Check out my TV and movie reviews on YouTube at TeamJBS. Check out our website at bat-therapy.com, our Bat Therapy YouTube channel, and follow us on social media. See you next week. Same Bat time, same Bat channel.